So, so, so scandalous. Anticipating something. Talking about the dance in your pants. You're listening to The Naughty Rude Show, Sin's home of sexuality, identity and relationships on Sin Nation. You're listening to The Naughty Rude Show on Sin Nation. How are you guys? Now, my name is Felicity and we have a couple of hosts here as well. Just so you know, I'm not the only one speaking. Yes, Yes, we are here, yeah. I'm Amaret. I'm Christian. And... I think you know me by now, Felicity and Christian. It's my first time hosting with you. And my first time hosting with you. Uh, I'm very happy to be experiencing And I've hosted my... with them both independently of each other. Oh, that's all good. We all wow. know each other. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've been hosting with both of us, but yeah. now we're yeah we're meeting. Uh, yeah, that's that's always awkward when that happens. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, right. So we had to go into our IDs. You know, our names. We've already. I think we've already said our own names. We just have to say, like, our no, own personal details. No, I said someone else's details. name. My name's actually not Amaret. Yeah, no. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. It's but a super secret identity. Don't tell anyone. So, Amaret, um, how mm. old are you? What do you do? What's your sexual orientation? Well, I'm... And it's it's a contentious issue. We talk about it almost every time on the show because I'm almost sin dead, which means now? that I'm... Almost 26, which is really sad, yeah. I had a friend who turned 26 the other week, and one of her friends who was 19 was like, enjoy your late 20s, and my friend was like, no, I'm not in my late 20s, like, you can't say that to me. Cue to set violins. She was was like, she was really upset by it, really got her down. Uh, So, yeah, I'm in my (laughs) mid-20s. I'm bi, and... um, I'm not currently in a relationship. I'm single, which is fun times. I'm ready to mingle. You Are know. you looking for anyone right now? I'm actually, I'm not. I, I'm, I saw my nan and uh, one of the questions, of course, that nans ask you is, oh, any boys on the scene? Um, no, no, Nan. No, there are none. <laughs> I'm not, even, I'm not even trying. I'm too busy. Too, I'm a busy person, everyone. Like, so there they So, Christian, tell us all about you. Oh, well, I wish my AR asked me if there are any boys on the scene. That would be amazing. I'd, I'd be so shocked if she asked me that. Um, I'm, I'm 22, nearly, very nearly 23, April the 10th. So that's Ooh, not that's very far not away at all. too far Exciting. Yeah. Mm. Looking forward to that. Um gay an approximation but a pretty good <laughs> approximation like you know within like 0. 0.01 degrees or something if, you, yeah. if you're talking like latitude and longitude with sexuality um, and what else oh single yes are um, you looking Christian am I looking for um, yes I am looking for someone um, their name is Peter Kapoulos um, <laughs> no I'm, <laughs> I'm not looking for <laughs> Like that's me. <laughs> a part of me was like, "Are you yeah. being serious?" Or Christian is looking for you, Peter. Yeah, um, I'm not. No, I, I guess I'm. I'm looking to be found. I, I want someone else to find Aww. me. I, I don't want to. Aww. That's cute. I, I don't want to find somebody else. Um, because I'm lazy. No, I, I don't want to make the first that's move. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not actively okay, okay, so um, I'm Felicity. I am 22. I am by. And I'm sort of looking, sort of not looking, just sitting there waiting for the right person to come along. But at the moment, just pretty much taking it. Looking easy. for me really extends to like 
oh, looking at going through my apps and being like, oh, there are a couple of dating apps on there. Am I going to open them today? Probably not. See, I'm the same. Nowadays, I just go on dating apps just for the fun of it, just to yeah. laugh. Probably not the best thing to say on radio, especially when lots of people are listening. <laughs> now everyone goes, oh, that Felicity girl? Just make sure, I, I just have to go home and make sure that, you know, it doesn't say I volunteer sing radio and I'm actually targeting you guys. Um, <laughs> anyway. This is all for experience so I can talk about it on air. It's all a social experiment, guys. Okay, so today we're going to talk about a couple of topics today. Um, as you all know, it has been uh, International Women's Day, I think on Thursday. And that was obviously the best thing that's ever happened this week, I think, in Australia. I I don't know. (laughs) But um, we have a couple of bangers as well. We're going to talk about periods. And we have someone coming in today for an interview. Um, Her name is Sarah Kalisha. And she's a sexologist. So stay tuned for that. And um, yes, if you have any other questions for us... uh, Please go on to the naughty root show.tumble.com forward slash ask and you could definitely text us on 0438-662-426. But right now we're up for some saucy tunes. We're playing the darkness. I believe in a thing called love. Which is also the name of the song, but I do also believe in a thing called love. We all do. Is that a banana in your pocket or are you just happy to see me? You're with Felicity Christian and Amaret, and we're going to be talking about International Women's Day, which, uh, as uh, Felicity said, was this last Thursday. Uh, a great day. I, I unfortunately had work, so I didn't get to go to any marches or anything like that, which was unfortunate. I was actually looking forward to going to uh, attending a march in a city, but I, so far haven't heard anything. I was looking at social media just to scour to see whether anything happened, but nothing really happened. To be there, there was there was a march. Uh, like was so, there? each each capital city uh, did have a march. Um, I don't think it was as uh, full on uh, as some that of the past sense. years have been. Okay, I don't think it was as big. Um, but it was definitely it definitely happened. It definitely didn't get the coverage that I think it probably should have. Mm. But um, mm. yeah, there de- there definitely was was one. I don't actually know if it was on the Thursday, though. I have a feeling it was on... um, Because International Women's Day is actually on a Thursday. And, um, yeah, that would make sense why I didn't Mm. see any, because maybe it was on a different day. But that being said, though, shouldn't it always be International Women's Day in the first place? Because why pick a day where you celebrate, oh, you know, being a woman's great and all, and every day it's like every other generic ordinary day. Mm. You get what I'm mm. saying? It's just a bit sad that we'd pick a day, but we've come so far to actually acknowledge that women can be great people, mm. uh, legitimate human beings as well. <laughs> so it's unfortunate <laughs> that we that we need to recognise that. Like it's like yes, women I'm are all for it, but it kind of okay. you know a, a part of me just goes hmm. Christian, what do you think? I can't remember whose quote this is, but um, that one that's like, feminism is the radical belief that women are people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just came to mind. Yeah. Um, don't know if you've heard that before. You remember whose it is. Um, but uh, yes, I think that just perfectly encapsulates like how, how sad it is that such a basic thing can be such a radical belief yeah. that needs its own special day or special week even. Like this is, to many people, this is still Sunday. It's still um, International Women's week um so i guess that extends it to more than a day seven days yeah but still it's it's still not 
365 days. Yeah. Um, which would be, yeah, which is probably, you know, really what we should have. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I was, I was curious to, um, you know, hear what you thought of, um, I guess, like, what it actually achieves, International Women's Day slash week. You know, acknowledgement is always important, you know. Women feel often enough quite oppressed by their superiors and, you know, a lot of people who are in suits in the past were actually men. Now you actually see women women in suits and that's bloody amazing. Um, but, you know, looking at everything uh, with a glass half full, I reckon better late than never, better not having it, better having it than not having it. Mm. Yeah. I definitely think that we live in a very male-dominated society and a lot of men hold top positions, even in female-dominated areas like teaching and, um, and healthcare, mm-hmm. um, which is obviously a, a massive problem and we still don't have gender pay equality and, and even gender equality across the board in, in um, especially certain, certain fields. So... You know, we look at nursing and that's a female-dominated area and you look at actual medical professionals and the majority are men. So it's almost completely different. But the issue as well is it's not just about equality, gender, um, disparity and all that sort of stuff. It's also about the fact that feminism actually fights for all people to be equal in all forms of, of life. And for a lot of uh, men, there's that whole idea of being too feminine. Oh, you're too feminine, you're too much of a sissy, or you cry, you don't, that you're not really supposed to have, my gears have emotions. And we mm. actually see that uh, that men are over-represented in the statistics of, and I'm putting content warning on this, so just turn it down now if you don't want to hear the next part. Um <clears throat> Uh, in suicides, a lot of men actually um, do do commit suicide, and we can we can lead that back directly to those those issues. Before we move on uh, to continue this discussion, we will give the lifeline number. It is thirteen eleven fourteen. That's thirteen eleven fourteen. If you'd like to talk to anyone, you can also get on to Beyond Blue. That's thirteen hundred twenty two forty six thirty six. Um, so I think, yeah, International Women's Day and Women's Week is really, really important. Um, not just to shine a light on, on women's issues, but also to shine a light on feminism and what feminism is is all about because mm. there's definitely some issues with how people see it. I know from myself that I saw it as a really dirty word when I was younger and my sister said to me, oh, I'm a feminist. And I said, oh, you know, I believe in women's rights, but I don't want to be called a feminist. And now I'm like, yeah, I'm a feminist. Yeah, just (laughs) touching on that as well, Emirate. Um, You know, me personally, I believe we have come so far when it comes to feminism. People are starting to be aware about equality and how important it is to acknowledge women and what they've done for society. But I still reckon it has a long way to go. I believe, you know, feminism in a modern world doesn't really exactly mean the same thing as what it used to be because, as you know, back in those days, women, you know, were in during the mm. war era, people, you know, women were just being nurses or you know just staying at home not doing anything you had this Mm. you know separation with women being at home just looking after children and the men are tend tend to uh they tend to go to work and you know there's some sort of and yeah when we look at the origins of it it's women face fighting for basic human rights like the right to vote like the right to work in in different fields because originally women were only allowed to work in um in like nursing and education that was sort of it and when um world war uh one and two happened women actually had to go into the workforce because there were no men around to Mm -hmm. do those those jobs and you had a lot of women going into machine factories 
years and then after the war was over they all had to go back to home life and they were like well this isn't fair I've proven I can do this job quite easily and quite to a satisfactory rate and here I am being forced back in to my home and I don't have the right to vote yet I can I can do that when men are away at war um it's a very big difference from that to now and what we're actually looking at now which is more of the way that society works to oppress women in ways that aren't always seen you know gender bias and things like that you know just hypothetically if that sort of society from those days are actually what we are living in if that were our reality I don't think I would be very happy to be around in a society like that I would fight as much as I can to vote because to me voting is so important you need to fight always fight for your rights people have you know disregarding the women uh, women's issues you know people have fought so much just for your right to vote but politics aside that's a different story that sort of thing but um yeah, you know, people tend to forget that lots of inventions as well were yeah. done, you know, invented by women. And, you know, for example, the fire escape, you know, such a thing in, you know, offices and homes, you know, done by vital, women. Yeah, vital piece of infrastructure for your yeah. safety. That was the word I was looking for. I just couldn't find yeah. the right <laughs> words. You know, windshield wiper, you're driving your car down a, he- you know, down a very uh, slippery road and it's raining it's pouring you can't see what happens if you don't have a windshield wiper you may crash into something mm. you know stem cell isolation you know science has come so far stem cell isolation yeah. you think a male scientist would you know um discover this um uh discovery science yeah. discovery and if if people are thinking, oh, these are sort of like modern inventions, it's probably because women got more into the workforce. We've also got people like Ada Lovelace, uh, Lovelace very, very back in the day, mm. Ada Lovelace, but she basically was one of the people who um, invented some of the first coding for, for example, the ability to um, fly into space and things yeah. like that. Came from the cornerstone of her work in mathematics. So, mm. women contributing to for, to society in a very uh, prominent way it goes mm. back a very. I mean, look at long time. look at your cell phones. Look at your technology. Some way or another, a woman has mm. um, created something so that you can actually use your products. The things that you can't live without. Quite frankly, I can't live without my phone. I am. My eyes are always attached to my phone. Even right now, I'm actually looking at my she's phone. She's looking at it, yeah. She, <laughs> I can attest. She's actually keeps looking yeah, at it. Yeah, just staring at it. I long oh, for that God. phone. Mm. <laughs> anyway, just you know, give it a shot. If you if you don't if you still don't believe in feminism, I reckon I hope we have sort mm. of convinced you enough that feminism is actually important. And it, you know, it it's good to celebrate International Women's Day. Yeah. And I, d- I definitely look into more um, intersectional feminism if you want a approach which is balanced and understanding of all dif- the different people who make up our society. Um, that's the feminism that uh, I work towards, intersectional yeah. feminism. So I feel like that's probably the most fair and broad-reaching um, out of most uh, feminist sex. Mm-hmm. Um if you want to talk to someone as well, we do have 1-800-RESPECT, which is the National Sexual Assault and Domestic Violence Counselling Service for any uh, women who might be out there who need a need a kind ear. That's 1-800-RESPECT. You can give them a call. That's been our little chat on feminism. I'm going to 
put the wrap on it. But it's time <laughs> for some. It's, it's the wrap. I'm wrapping it. We're uh, gonna get into some tunes, though. This is we've got a double song coming up. Woo-hoo. So get excited Ooh. for some musical interludes. Two of my favorite music icons. Yeah. Uh, first song being Benny and the Jets by Elton John. Oh my god. I'm actually really happy just announcing that. I feel like a legitimate radio announcer. <laughs> but yes, Benny and the Jets by Elton John. You're listening to the Naughty Root Show and Sination. Got a question? Hit us up at the thenaughtyrootshow.tumblr.com forward slash ask. So we have um, special guests with us today, Sarah Kalia, who's a um, sexologist, but also a counselling psychologist um, and relationship and sexual therapist. Welcome to Naughty Rude. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Wonderful to have you here. Um, so it, it might seem obvious from the name, but even so, could you tell us um, about what a, what a sexologist is, what they do exactly, what you do exactly, um, so, as well as your other roles, of course? So uh, sexologists are either educators or therapists, um, and uh, they can also combine those roles. So I do quite a bit of education and therapy and designing um, material for people to be able to uh, process different um, educational uh, venues or um, to um, enable them with therapy. So, you know, uh, sexologists can be academics too. So it's quite a broad range. Yeah. Do you talk about sex specifically to um, teenagers or uh, and or adolescents most of the time? Uh, so are you asking me in my a clinical context yeah. in my room? So as, as a counselling psychologist, uh, a lot of people consult with me around sexual matters. And uh, sometimes it's because there's been a sexual trauma. And sometimes it's because they want to improve the sexual relationship that they have with each other. So it can really vary the nature of presentation. But yes, 50% of the time I'd be discussing some sort of sexual issue. And it could, could have something to do with their children or their relationship. But it's, a, it's an area that a lot of people aren't comfortable communicating, asking questions. They're not really always aware of the language to use when asking questions. So having someone to assist them where they're really comfortable and safe in that context is really helpful. Cool. How did you get interested in becoming a sexologist? So I was a, a psychology teacher a thousand years ago and mm-hmm. um, a, a school counsellor and I was um, speaking to a boy who was 12 and he was probably six foot two and fully developed. He was uh, someone to go into puberty very early. And he was telling me that on the side um, he did a bit of sex work to make pocket money. And my first go-to is safety. So, you know, checked with him, are you using condoms? And he said, oh, no, Sarah, you know, glad rap and lacquer bands. <gasps> yes, that's exactly the response I had, <laughs> you know. And, and I said, uh, and infections? And he said, no problem. If I push in and she yells, she's got it. Oh if she don't, my. she ain't. 
And so that was many years ago, but I found what is consistent is a level of ignorance Mm -hmm. with a lot of people. So clearly I got him onto condoms and, you know, and he was underage, but he was, um, in, in those days, it wasn't even a big issue. You didn't have to report, but I made sure he was safe. So from that, I started speaking to my peers, you know, have you seen this kind of presentation before, this level of ignorance and this level of promiscuity in a 12 year old male? because um, we tend to think of it more with women who were sexually abused at an early age. And um, they, that sparked a need for sex education. Mm. So I worked with family planning, Melbourne Monash Universities to set up courses, set them up and then started training others to do that. When eventually I left teaching and went into private practice as a psychologist, Um, people knew that I had some interest in sexuality and so I started doing relationship sexuality therapy Mm -hmm. and it grew from then and then I started developing resources. And the story about the starting the resources is interesting. So a few years ago, a client comes in, she'd been... um, seen me a few times but she came in this time she said Sarah I'm here representing the school I said what do you mean you know I've seen her as an individual this was very different she said well you know how our six-year-old son has an iPod do you guys even know what an iPod is oh yeah, yeah. okay oh, I cool had, yeah, I, had to, I had the old shuffle <laughs> back in the day okay so you remember that so here they were as a couple trying to teach their six-year-old responsible use of technology. They, they were very aware that this was an emerging trend and they were trying to do the right thing, but they didn't know that he could inadvertently download porn. So what happens with a lot of kids, and we're talking around the age six to eight, is that inadvertently they download porn. Mm-hmm. They're left to play with the iPad or with, the, with some tablet device, a, a phone, and they're not looking for it because they don't know about it. Mm-hmm. So what did he do when he downloaded the naughty pictures? He showed it to every other kid in his uh, six-year-old in his little Catholic school. Mm. So the parents were remarkably mature and they said, you know, actually we've got a problem here. This kid wasn't at fault. What do we do? Mm. So I told her I would explore research resources for her to um, enable the school. I found none for kids that young. There was, you know, what's happening to me? Where do I come from? That kind of uh, biology, you know. Um, And so I said to her, look, you know, I'm just stuck. There's nothing. She said, well, you're meant to be the bloody expert. You do something about it. So that's then what happened was that um, that turned into an app for the iPad. Swinburne University designed students, designed that. We won runners-up in Premier's Design Award. And that was very successful. We've just updated it now and we're about to relaunch it across all devices. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. And that will be part of my philanthropy. So that will be available worldwide on every device. Well, that's so we're fantastic. very excited and courtesy of, of this wonderful, extraordinary students at Swinburne, which is one of the reasons I'm here. I love helping you kids. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I love that you step up and do this extra stuff and, and get involved and credit to you. So, so this is how things happen in, in my life, accidentally kind of people pushing, you know, well, you're meant to be the expert, you do something. <laughs> well, okay, well, see, the thing is, I am the expert, so it does fall on me. So I have an interesting life. Now, Sarah, you talked about, you've already touched on, you know, talking about sexual education to children or adolescents. I would 
want to ask you a question about how young should a parent talk about sex to their children? As you know, pornography, you can access it pretty much on every device yeah. nowadays. Yeah. Even children, 10 years old, they start talking yeah. about, you know, having sex with each other. That's yeah. a little bit yeah. off to me because back in those days, I never talked about that. I mm. only knew about sex when I was around 13 or 14. Yeah. So. Well, you were late. I was Whoa, very late. Like bloomer, darling. But here's the thing. I learned about sex through a friend who con well, sort of many nah, wrong words, but we were in computer class. Next to me was this boy and he just opened up some porn website and said, Hey, check this website out. Yeah. I went onto it. The teacher could see because literally the table was just right next to the teachers. <laughs> and it was I got I got in so much trouble. Anyway, that's <laughs> my little story. But yeah, how young do you think parents should talk about sex to your children? So as a rule of thumb, um, kids are very inquisitive and if they have a healthy relationship with their parents or older siblings, they'll ask questions. And answering the kids' questions from the time they can speak is really important. They'll indicate how much they're interested in and how much they can accommodate by their attention span. They switch off if you've done too much, you know. Um, so establishing that credibility as a go-to person is really critical for any person dealing with a child, no matter what their relationship is. And honesty and establishing trust that, you know, that even if you don't know, you'll go look together or, or, but developing the language, so using the right um, descriptors for body parts. So no beating around the bush, then. No, it goes to, because when you beat around the bush, kids are so savvy; they immediately <laughs> know that you're full of bullshit, yeah, that so no. you're avoiding, <laughs> avoiding. You yeah. know, once they know that you look them in the eyes and you know mm. you're really straight with them, it's so much easier for you, and it's easier for them. Okay. So then you will become the go to person. That's why I developed this app. I wanted parents to be the go to people, to have that credibility, to be able to say, you know, that's a really interesting question. I don't know either. Let's explore this together. And when they get onto Google and whatever and they inadvertently download porn, you know, they mm. can see that they need to deal with their, their, <laughs> their uh, um, settings and, yeah. and manage that. But they go through this process where it's okay not to be knowledgeable and it's okay to learn to process that together. So the kids are really good guides, but the parents need to know what's going on in the world. It's not okay to say, oh, look, porn doesn't interest me. I'm, you know, I have watched porn and there are some things that I would if I could unwatch. <laughs> <laughs> I think most you know. of us have that experience in general. But, you know, I've had to watch porn from, you know, the beginning of my training so that mm. I have an understanding of what's out there, mm. you know, and the thing that's most unforgivable to me on a personal level about porn is how freaking boring it is. I mean, mm-hmm. really? Same theme all the time. Man gets excited. Do you um, reckon it's because you're desensitised to it? Well, no, because it's the same theme and I don't do boring. You know, man gets excited <laughs> and, and he gets an erection immediately Yeah, because he's taken Viagra. And, and then, you know, the woman can't get enough of his excitement and then he penetrates one or multiple of her orifices and she's just so grateful. And then he shoots in her face or somewhere else and she has an orgasm on cue. Really? You know, in what world? This is not real. <laughs> yeah. So the, the unreality 
the pretense, the 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 really poor acting, and that script unforgivable. Seriously, you know, if you're going to do something, do exciting and do realistic and do doable. Mm-hmm. So we've got a, a script now that boys think is really critical. So the whole definition of sex for them, and and part of my counselling work is getting people to define sex. What does sex mean to you? So, you know, guys will often say erection. You know, you can't have sex without an erection. But in fact, you know, there's lots of sex you can have without an erection. You know, oral, anal, um, outer course, what we call instead of intercourse. You know, lots of touching, romance, playing, exciting, you know, totally unrelated, yeah, to penetration. Yeah, I was going to say, unrelated question, but can you actually have anal sex without an erection? Because to me, that sounds impossible. Well, it depends what you want to insert into the anal canal. So is Ah. it a finger? Is it an electronic device? Mm-hmm. Um, is it a, a penis? Is it, you know, so it doesn't matter what you put in. I mean, women can stimulate the man anally while, you know, they're, they're doing something else. So, no, and a penis isn't necessary. A penis is often desirable, you know, <laughs> but not actually necessary. Yeah. Well, that def- uh, definitely makes sense, Sarah. Mm. This has been some great talks. We're going to hit up a song and we're going to come back with some more talking to Sarah with some great more questions. If you have a question of your own, you can send one in. It is thenaughtyroodshow.tumblr.com forward slash ask. We've also got our text line up and running. It is 0438 662426. But right now, it's a little bit more of Michael Jackson. It's Dirty Diana here on the Naughty Root Show on The Nash. Ooh, yeah. We've been having a little discussion about uh, International Women's Day and Women's Week. So we've got a couple of questions coming up that are a bit female centric. Um, Basically, when we're prioritising women's sexuality, how can women sort of help their own sexuality and, uh, it, like, work that into relationships? How, how do women deal I, I with think, that male focus on I sex? I think one of the most critical things for women to um, be able to advocate for their own sexuality is to learn how to masturbate. I think it's something that um, we talk about with men. You know, men masturbate, you know. The boys can see their penis, you know, from, you know, the time they can surface, see it, you know. We have, you know, photos in utero of of boys stimulating their penises, you know. Um, But, you know, the women's parts are more hidden. And, Mm. of course, the clitoris is very poorly understood. Mm -hmm. So the idea that a woman would want to pleasure herself makes a man seem redundant. So typically we've had that kind of cultural input. But when a woman explores her own pleasuring when she knows where what how um what what works for her then she can be in partnership with whoever she's with same sex opposite sex it doesn't matter and she understands how she functions and she has that confidence that she can be pleasured that she is functional so i speak to people who worry they're dysfunctional 
and that's you know quite a burden on you but when you know you're functional you know and I ask people all the time do you masturbate I ask men too you know because it goes to erectile capacity you know um, and a lot of women will say no and that's the first thing masturbate go and learn how you're pleasured under what circumstances and then you can advocate for yourself till then you're not a sexual person if you're waiting for the man to make the move and you know somehow figure yeah. it out I suppose in yeah. that sense um, that would be a woman's way for personal empowerment because Mm. You know, as the saying goes, if you don't know, if you don't understand your body, if you don't explore your body, how are you going to expect a man or someone else to pleasure you? Is, yeah. Isn't that right? That's right. Yeah. So. And I'm a feminist, you know. Yeah. I, I believe it's equal uh, privilege for equal responsibility, you mm. know. Definitely. So if I'm going to be a sexual person, I need to take responsibility for my own sexuality and then equally yeah. initiate, take responsibility for my pleasure, add, add to his or hers, mm-hmm. or theirs, depending on you know, <laughs> yeah. how diverse you are. With uh, sexual uh, diseases and illnesses aside, do you reckon women need to learn more about you know their sexual, um, you know, like the genitals and all that, a lot more than men do? Because with women, you know, it's multifunctional. A child comes out of you, you know, men penetrates you a woman can use a dildo on you or whatever that sort of thing do you reckon women tend to need to learn a lot more about it than men well it's only been recently that we've actually had um, photos and diagrams of the clitoris and started to understand yes oh my god yeah. I've had this experience where they black the it out so you can't see it on the diagram it's like, and what? then and I, I literally had a diagram um, where they'd given us a, a picture um, of the vulva and the clitoris had been blacked out, but it had clitoris <laughs> and, like, a marker to it. What? People were like, what's that? And then that just made people want to know what the clitoris yeah. was and Great. they would not talk about it. You know, it's funny mm. you mentioned that because I've always thought you pee from a clitoris, mm. which is wrong. Yeah, yeah. No, I've, had, I've had people And that's that, that misinformation yeah. is horrific, you know. And, and on a lot of diagrams, you've got this tiny, tiny, you know, point where people think that's a clitoris. It's like mm. almost a, a perverted pimple, you know, <laughs> on, on, on your uh, vulva area, top of your <laughs> vulva area. But in fact, the functioning is exactly like a penis, mm. yeah. only it's an innie, not an outie. <laughs> and when you get excited, it, it swells, yeah. it engorges with blood. Now, it actually hugs a vaginal canal. So the women who have... Um, orgasms vaginally um, they're very excited often and that can be sufficient stimulus most women need to be stimulated by the clitoris to to orgasm but when you understand that functioning and you understand that it is only women who have an organ organ Mm -hmm. for pleasuring alone the only reason that a clitoris is there is for female pleasure. Mm-hmm. I have a personal theory that since we have to have pregnancy and childbirth and we have to freaking labour so hard for it, yeah. that's our compensation, goddammit. You know? <laughs> yeah, <definitely. laughs> that's a, my theory. <laughs> Sarah, I have a question for you. So, you know, do you know what squirting is? Yes. Do you reckon it's a real thing or it's just some made up thing? No, it is a real thing for some women. Yeah. And again, it, it, it is so, sex is so idiosyncratic. You know, every individual person experiences it differently and some women lubricate very well and you know for them the squirting is is really delightful and and they're into it for others not at all Mm. and both are fine it's about knowing your own body and knowing what your pleasure levels are and knowing what the the um 
evidence is of when you're being pleasured. You know, when you're tense, you might dry up and you might normally under circumstances where you're comfortable lubricate very easily. But you're tense, you dry up and and the vaginal muscles close and so it's really difficult for penetration to occur. And yet you could be that person who's multi-orgasmic still and, you know, so you're functioning but in stressful circumstances your body changes and, and you act out differently. So everyone has a diverse range of effect for, for their presentation and their sexuality. Yeah. Uh, we'd just like to remind you that if you do want to um, send us, and that's including Sarah, question, while she's still here, before she goes away, mm-hmm. um, text number is 0438662426. That's 0438662426. Um, lots of sixes there. It's a very sixteen number, so hopefully that helps you to remember it. <laughs> um, uh, while you are still here, Sarah, uh, we were wondering if you could tell us um, some some more something about um, "Give Her the Go Girl," your book. Ah, okay. So that um, that came about because my daughter was struggling through Year Seven transition. So she was a high functioning, extrovert, happy kid till grade six and went into year seven and all of a sudden uh, a new campus, new school, new circumstances and um, she struggled. Her brother was six years older and he had a girlfriend at the time and uh, the way that he socialised was to hang in groups and the kids would often come to ours and, you know, sort of uh, sleep in every different positions when they came home late. (laughs) That was a kind of a noisy house. And so Nina had all these um, opportunities to speak to girls six years older than her. And so we started talking to these girls, David's friends, and they had the most amazing stories. And so I'd share them with my peers, many of whom are educators and health professionals. And they just said, you've got to put this down in a book. So we did. And um, we launched it um, in four different states. Um, It was very successful. We had three print runs. And the school librarians told us that it was the most stolen book from the school library. <laughs> and we just thought that was the That's best. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So mm. it's it's now no longer um, in publication. It's it's slated for ter- being turned into an e-book. I just haven't had time for it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was always meant to just be Nina's therapy. And she went on to... Um, Learn, uh, study journalism and human rights and now she works in the area of human rights law so I think it really helped her to at an early age be comfortable lecturing to mm. people you know she was interviewed all around Australia you know and it was a great exposure for her so talk about great therapy and it was a journey that she and I went on together that was an, a beautiful mother-daughter journey so that's uh, that's how that came about and you know whenever I hear it it just still makes me smile and Mm -hmm. you know it's a a very warm thing you know and it worked for a lot of kids so yeah. Now with sex education being Mm -hmm. sort of like a taboo subject still in school do you Mm -hmm. think that teachers should be more upfront and not beat around the bush as much because I find that sex Mm -hmm. education in school is very um, minimal well, actually, it's probably changed since you were at school, yeah. and it depends on the school. So you'll f- find religious schools are still very focused on biology and not on relationship sex and not on promoting sex as a, as a pleasurable 
uh, activity. Mm. Uh, whereas other schools um, have programs that, that talk about diversity and so they're very open about sexuality across the spectrum um, in all presentations, whether you're you know, LGBTIQ or, or um, curious, just curious, you know. Mm. So they're, they're really giving our kids a lot of resources. So it really depends what, what school you go to and it also depends on the educators. So there are some educators with an axe to grind, one way or another, one extreme or another. And there are some educators who actually understand that their job is to excite curiosity and to present some facts and to generate discussions, to really allow the kids to grow on their terms when they're ready. Because you've got a class of, what, say, 20 kids. They're the same age, but they're not the same psychological age. Some have been traumatised, some have not. So how can you teach one thing, to the same thing to all those kids and expect a good outcome? So a good educator understands the, the diversity with the psychological age, understands uh, what sex trauma can look like and may be able to actually identify those kids and refer them on to therapy too. So I think that it's improving in some circumstances, but, you know, the extremes are always there. It doesn't matter what generation it is, there's always extremes and there's people with an axe to grind. Professionals like myself try to call that out. And, you know, I have had many discussions with people questioning the right that they think that they have to shove information down someone because it's their religious belief or it's their, you know, social belief. You don't have a right to impose. As an educator, you need to excite opinions. You need to offer information. So I think we're still struggling with that one. So you wrote a book, Give It A Go Girl, and it focuses on girls transitioning into high school. Um, so why focus on this transition period in particular? Why so pivotal? So the thing about this transition period is really critical in a number of ways. You come from, um, in, in Australia, a typical primary school has one teacher with some specialist teachers. You may be your sports teacher. Uh, you're going to year seven and then you've got different subject teachers. So the kids are not in one room. They're going from geographically from place to place and they have to be self-directed. So they're taking on responsibility. For girls, especially at around 12, they're entering puberty. So their bodies are confusing to them. Their, their hormones are all over the shop. They're not necessarily, you know, thinking logically. So at a time where their education is changing, they may have a mobile phone for the first time. Uh, they may be on social media for the first time. Uh, they may be exploring for the first time. So that transition period is really critical and it's a very confusing one for kids. Um, and I didn't think too much about it, even though I'd been a teacher. Um, I knew some criteria, but I hadn't really realised how much some kids suffered. And if you don't pick that up, then those kids can develop depression. It evidences itself as sometimes eating disorders or self-harm. So it's really important to um, manage that transition process. The boys, I think, are more a problem in year eight because that's when they go into puberty. So, you know, the, the and they're 
they're, they're socialised to be more kind of independent, so they've done more things and feel safer. Girls are educated to feel unsafe. Be careful, someone can hurt you, you know. So they're, they're very exposed. And the boys in sort of year eight sort of do have that uh, sometimes a more difficult transition and because the, the puberty is hitting them a little bit later. So although everyone's going into earlier puberty now, which is a problem sexually because they're having sexual feelings. They're underage. They don't know how to express it. They don't have the information. They're at risk. So, you know, the, the, those tr that transition period is of great interest to me because of those reasons. Mm. Well, mm. that was truly a very anal conversation, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Sarah, for coming in today and giving us your insight about sex and education. Now, Christian, what do we have up next? Um, I should just quickly mention we didn't come up with the line truly anal oh, conversation. Yeah, that was through the text line. <laughs> I was trying to be smart. <laughs> Christian just ruined it for me. <laughs> so if you have any other clever lines um, or questions... Either or, 0438662426. Thank you so much again for coming in, Sarah. Such a pleasure. What's the name uh, of Parents, here? Tweens and Sex. Okay. Mm. Um, so that'll be promoted this year. We'll be doing that in conjunction with Swinburne University. So we're very excited about that. Well, get on it, guys. You have technology. Learn <laughs> something for once. <laughs> we're serious about sex. And playful, too. Um, so if you're listening last week, which of course you were, um, because you have perfect attendance for the show, um, you would have remembered that we did a Twitter poll. Um, question was, uh, I can't remember the exact wording, but it was, um, oh, the exact wording was, okay, there's a bit of backstory to this. Des Declan asked for a girl's number he met on the train. Des Declan asked for the number of a girl he met on the train. Is this train, our Declan? And she took a week of texting to disclose she had a boyfriend. Question is, does asking for a number always imply a romantic gesture? 83% said yes, and 17% said no. Thank you to the 83% who uh, agreed with me. Um, and the 17%, thank you for... I, I accept everyone's opinions. Yes. <laughs> you participation award But sadly, voting. you lost. Um, now speaking. So, so, um, thank I feel you like if I was going to ask someone, they would be like, you look like a cool person, let's be friends. What's hmm. your number? I feel like I would be disclosing friends because it is just... For me, anyway, like, if someone asks my number, they're not asking, like, just to have a chat with me. Like, they want to get to know me hmm. or whatever. Um, so I'd feel like you need to say, like, oh, as frenzies. I feel like a week is a long time hmm. to be like, oh, and by the way, I have a boyfriend. Hmm. If you want to hear the rest That's of that conversation we had last week, hit up the podcast. Send it off to you, Omni, iTunes, Spotify, um, we're Lots everywhere. of options. We're saturating your ear holes on every, <laughs> every single platform. Now, speaking of opinion, um, you can send us your comments, your messages, your questions on the Naughty Root Show, uh, tumblr.com forward slash us. N or zero four three eight six six two four two six. That's by text message. Sorry, I should have mentioned that. But we do have a message coming in from the phone line, and it says the age of sexual consent is sixteen. So why talk about sexual matters at age twelve? Why not stick to bodily changes, which is scarily in scary enough? No, um, I think we covered it. 
I feel like we covered why. <laughs> uh, because young kitties, the kidlets, who we all want to think are innocent, are not innocent. And they'd be thinking about the sex and sexual attraction at a much younger age than 16. Um, and, and as Sarah stated, you know, you get to 16, you're like, oh, I guess I should have the sex talk. Quite often they've been there and they've done that already without having spoken to you. So it's it's not worth to wait so long. You need to be talking to them at that age where it's actually applicable. You know, puberty isn't just the changing of your body. It is the changing of... Emotions. Yeah, yeah, your emotion, your very thought and the way that you self-identify and it is important to have those discussions when that takes place, not four, five years down the track. And, you know, education is power as always. I personally believe that, you know, you should talk about sexual matters very early on now. I wouldn't say as early as 9, but more so 10, 11, 12, because modern society nowadays, parents give their children, um, you know, iPads, technology, just to keep in touch. And, you know, sometimes you get involved with school activities. They, you know, in school, you tend to share share stuff with friends, yada, yada, yada. And if you listen to my conversation with Sarah earlier, I actually learned about pornography because a friend sort of tricked me into going to a pornography website. So, you know, that was my unfortunate way about learning about, you know, life, the, you know, the whole extent of sexuality that I did not comprehend or understand at that point. So, yes, um, uh, commenter, um, I reckon, yeah. I, I reckon uh, listening to our podcast again, Sarah could uh, re-elaborate it to you because... There's only so much you can say, to be honest. Um, yeah, I mean, again, sex, um, sorry, education is power. The more you know, the better, especially at a younger age. Um, Emirate was right, though. Emotional, uh, sorry, physical uh, advancements, physical changes is not just the only thing that happens in your life. It's the emotional changes that happen, mm. so... Yeah. If you want to ask more questions, you can. Our text line, as we've stated, is 0438 That's 0438 You can also hit us up on the Tumblr. It is thenaughtyroodshow.tumblr.com forward slash ask. And you can remain anonymous. Now, speak, uh, speaking of sexual changes or bodily changes, you guys know what periods are, don't you? I'm on one right now. Same here for three weeks now. God damn it. I'm not, I've only been on it for a day. So oh, well, <laughs> lucky at, you. I'm not feeling quite as annoyed as you are. But hey, guys, speaking about periods, should you and or would you have sex with someone while on your period? I have never done it. Um, I, I have had sex that's been very rough and there's been blood everywhere, which uh. is not the funnest experience to have smeared, well, smeared all over you. Did it feel you. like you heard? Or? Uh, oh, there was, yeah, it was, it was, it, the sex was not necessarily 100% painful, but yeah. there was very, some very deep thrusts and that's mm. why I was bleeding. And that's not fun to be cleaning blood off of yourself and your sheets and everything. So if you're going to have sex on your period or you might be engaging in, in rough sex, there are obviously some things that you can do. Um, Put some towels down. Red towels. Sex. Red towels. Let um, me use. Yeah, not white. You don't <laughs> want to use your nice fluffy white towels. towels. <laughs> or black even. Um, I, oh. I have. I use black towels for my hair dye um, and the, everything just absorbs into that. Uh. You'll never, ever know. Uh, you'll wash them and you'll be like, they're clean. Mm. 
Whereas if you you wash your white ones and you go, mm, there's a pinky tinge to it <laughs> that wasn't there before. Um, no. So just be smart and like get get consent um, between you and your partner to make sure that that's okay. Yeah. I think we need to get past that whole period set period blood is gross and icky and definitely no, you know unclean, which is obviously not mm-hmm. not true. But now, Christian, I know you mentioned and, you know, you've told us that you're gay. Hypothetically, if you were to have sex with a woman, would you have sex with them while they're on your period? That's that probably a few too many mental. I, I mean, that's like a whole too many other universe. universe. <laughs> I know. I, I, First, I have to think about having sex with a woman. <laughs> yeah, sorry, because yeah. I had to put you in the spot as well. Um, I do have straight friends. Woo, go me! I'm so <laughs> accepting. Um, so maybe I could ask them. Um, my my straight friends, of which yeah. I have many, because I approve of the straightness. Um, I have a ruler in my pencil then? case, which is straight. Yeah, so I'm all you're for hetero being friendly. That's so Christian. <laughs> um, but sorry for listening. Sorry, do you reckon it's a smart idea then, just to have sex while a on smart period? idea? Yeah, smart. Is it recommended? Um, yeah, smart's rec- probably not the best word. Yeah. Is when you're horny, you, you tend to not. You tend to do not. I the think smartest a lot of women are horny on their periods too. So it's mm. just oh, like, yeah, that's actually just give in, thing. give in to the. Mm. To the want. I am the horniest person. No, I'm before horny before my, my period. period. I, that's how Same. I know. That's how I know I'm gonna get my hair. Same. Period. Oh, high five. <laughs> um, I, that's actually like a, that's a biological and physiological thing too. That mm-hmm. women. The, a lot of people think that when women are on their periods, that's when they're really emotional. It's actually a couple of days before they they, they get their period. That's yeah. when their um, emotions start to go highway because that's when their body has actually prepared for you to get pregnant, and then it realizes you're not pregnant. Mm-hmm. So it pumps up your hormones in anticipation, and then realizes you're not pregnant, and then that's when um, your uterine line starts shedding and you're bleeding, and it's having a big big whinge at you for not. Putting a baby in it, so that's why women are more more likely to be emotional and and horny because they're ovulating and yes. their body wants them to find attraction. It wants them to be in love. It wants Make them the to reproduce. Uh, so if <laughs> if your girl's really really horny and she hasn't had a period in a while, get excited because it's a coming. So use that protection. <laughs> or you're on the pill. You never. Yeah, know. yeah. Make sure that she's on the pill and uh, that you're doing your duty. Well, I have had sex while on my period before, and trust me, it is not the cleanest thing. Yeah. You put those towel down. It was a freakish, freaky moment, and I'm not trying to pull, put every, anyone off. It, it was just, you know, to me, bodily fluids are taboo. Yeah, you heard that right. I can't stand sweat. I can't stand period blood, even my own. I can't stand, you know, saliva on me. It just grosses me out. Anyway... So, so you're not a, like, put something on my body and lick it off kind of girl? No, no, I would freak out. I would run for the hills and I would jump off it. Actually, I cannot say that because that's really bad. Um, <laughs> Jumping off hills. Take it yeah. back. <laughs> it way back. Okay, Jumping off hills of, are okay, though. That's nothing. You land on the grass. And rolling it's a down the hill. Rolling down. Yeah. Yeah. Bunny hill. Anyway, yeah. um, if mm. that actually triggered you, I'm very sorry. But please contact uh, Beyond Blue. one 300 Kids Helpline. Stop laughing at me, guys. <laughs> the hills are alive here on Naughty Root today. <laughs> <laughs> okay, serious talk. Kids yeah. Helpline. 1-800-551-800 Lifeline 131114 I am so sorry guys Okay so it wasn't the most interesting um, Well it's actually the most interesting experience I have 
to be was honest. It, was it good sex though? Was it actually? Was it, was it also just really bad? And you're like, this is the worst. Well, idea mentally, you get very freaked out. For me, because of the bodily fluids issue, mm. I was so freaked out. It, to me, it was so gross. But you tend to actually be very sensitive around your menstrual period. So everything mm. down there, your nipples, everything, whatever, you tend to be so sensitive. So when actually, when sex happens, everything is heightened, you know. So your orgasms tend to be a lot stronger. I've actually had that experience before. So I'm not going to knock it. <laughs> it's actually yeah. quite fun. Um, now, is it safe? Provided that you're using protection for obvious reasons, it is definitely safe. And also just make sure your sexual partner doesn't have any STIs or whatever because, you know, blood and yeah. Um, not forgetting that sperm can live inside the body for around two to five days. You should also still wear a condom to prevent pregnancy. That's the yeah. one thing I want to a lot, a lot of people think that you can't get pregnant when you're on your period mm. um, and, and you can't get pregnant while you're having sex on mm. your period. Yeah, you can. As, as, as well as you can get you can get pregnant a couple of days later as well but we're going to give it a wrap periods are fantastic not so much when you have them so be safe around your period sex but speaking of periods last uh, statement I want to make if you have period cramps you have terrible period cramps just like me having an orgasm can actually alleviate cramps so tip do it top tip do, do it. it just do it <laughs> It's time to play some good old Missy Higgins. It's Scar. It is The Naughty Root Show here on The Nash. Don't forget you can text us in. It is 0438662426. Sugar and spice and everything nice. Listening to The Naughty Root Show on Sin with myself, Christian. Um, and this is also, because this is also International Women's Week, we have some... International women with us today. I'm Rachel. I'm I'm an international oh, Where did that go? <laughs> where did that? I know. Where did International Women's Week go? Um, we should bring it back. Definitely. What are we going to be talking about now? So we have another message coming as well. Um, again, if you have any messages or comments for us, you can go on to the NaughtyRootShow.com. Uh, sorry, the NaughtyRootShow.tumblr.com forward slash us. And you could text us on 0438-662-426. So our latest message was from Anonymous. Don't worry, you can send in things and we wouldn't know who you are. Mm-hmm. But um, that message said, not all kids mature. I suppose this is like a continuation from the last message. So um, mm-hmm. uh, not all kids mature at same rate. So make participation optional at 12 years old. If kids don't want to know about it, why should it be forced on them? I agree to a certain extent, yes. If they don't want to learn about it, they shouldn't. But at the same time, I reckon, and I've said this quite a number of times tonight already, education Mm -hmm. is power. So... I feel like we could extend this to other topics as well. Like, okay, so you don't think kids are having sex before age 16, so they shouldn't learn about it till they're 16. Well, kids aren't having babies till at least 18, 19, 20. So let's not talk about reproduction at (laughs) all in any form. But here's the thing. Who cares where babies come from? It's not important to you, young child, who's (laughs) asking me. You don't get to learn about that till you're 18. Yeah, but would you rather, like, you know, if circumstances are really bad for you at this point you know if would you rather have a child be pregnant at 16 or 12 12 because you don't have the right education and you didn't know anything about it or 16 
because you only know a little bit about it and you were actually just foolish and you actually had sex education already, you mm. know. So, there, you know, you had to pick your battles. There's, there are no exact, uh, there's no exact answer for this. Sure, you know, we are not forcing you to force education on your kids, but wouldn't you agree to the fact that maybe kids should learn a little bit more about their bodies, mm. their emotions, their physical, emotional changes? I don't know. That's just me, but I would love to um, know more about what you think. Now, I brought in a thing. I'm not sure if you can hear it. It's moving in my hand. It's shaking. It's actually a pink canister, and um, there's actually something in there. And we're talking about periods. I want to know whether you guys know what is in my hand. Menstrual cup. (laughs) (laughs) Bingo. Now... Like I said, we're both on our periods, so it's a menstrual cup. Well, here's the thing. It's actually a collapsible menstrual cup. Now, Christine, I don't know whether you know anything about menstrual cups. I don't. So do tell. So you know how you have tampons, you have pads, sometimes you use sponges. By the way, if you want to have sex while on your period, you could actually use a sponge as well. Go to a sex shop and get it, but... Yeah. Anyway, don't cut up a kitchen sponge and shove it up your vagina. Please, for the love of God, don't. Um, so menstrual cups are another option as well, Christian. So you have tampons, you have pads and sponges. I feel like a teacher. I am, I'm not trying to lecture <laughs> anyone. but um, So what it is, is that, don't worry, I've washed it. <laughs> so it's actually collapsible. And um, it's like a cup. It's pink. It's literally looks like uh, you know uh, what do you call it funnel it's funnel that's the word it looks like a funnel but there's actually no hole at the end there's only one hole on the top and um, what happens is you fold the menstrual cup to whatever your preference is so you can do the V fold which is essentially just pushing in the side rim into it itself and shoving it in there not the most attractive description but it works or you can fold it in half and just shove it in there as well what happens is and this is just very descriptive imagine if this hand is a vagina so i'm holding up my left hand right now guys and um making it look like a vagina what happens is when you fold your cup you just slot it in there and what happens is it opens itself up and forms a rim on your cervix or your pelvic bone around the um, internal areas. So because of that suction, it's not going to move anywhere. Gravity works. Blood's going to flow in. You're golden. It does take a while to get used to it. Um, Emirate, have you used it before? I, I actually haven't. No? Um, I've heard it can be can be very messy when you're trying to do it, and I've, I've ha- I heard a couple of uh, murder horror stories about murder. going... Uh, we'll, get to, we'll get to it. Give me two seconds to get to the <laughs> point. Where murder. ladies have been in the toilets, uh, public toilets, that is, yeah. and there have been people telling them to hurry up, and they've just walked out blood all over their hands, being like, I've yeah, t- so taken my menstrual cup out and... and some people like that's disgusting. Some people yeah. like we understand. Like it's okay. It but does get They can be pretty. Can they can yeah. be pretty messy. So um, obviously, as I said before, it takes a lot to get used to. And you're right. It does get very messy. You come out of the bathroom looking like you've just mm. jackhammered someone. Um, but that's not the case. You were actually removing a period cup. What I found for myself is that you know. Uh, the period cup worked so well for me because it saves me a lot of money because this cup will last me. Try to guess how many years. Five. 
10. <laughs> Around the 8 to 10 year mark. Oh, so as long as you look good. after it. Yeah. And you only buy it one buy it once, one off. So as long as you look after it and you don't actually have your vag- teeth in your vagina. You don't, do not chew on it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Producer's just laughing right now. But anyway, so as long as you look after it, it's going to last that long and um, it's going to save you lots of money. You pay a one-off 30, around a $30 mark Australian money for, what, 8, 10 years compared to, you know, paying $10 or more a month for the next, until your menopause, you know, until you stop having a period. Personally, I think it's the best thing and menstrual cups tend to be a lot more of a hassle because of the cleanliness issue. You want you tend to want to sanitize it before using it just by boiling it in hot water. Don't worry, it won't melt. Um what else can I tell you? <laughs> it just it, it to me it just works. And you know, when you have your period, my trick is, you know, I always prepare a tiny little bottle of water and some uh, hand sanitizer. Make sure there's no fragrances in it. I recommend Dettol sometimes, not all the time, so as long as you're not too sensitive. Um, you know, just flush it out with your water, clean it, use your hand sanitizer, clean it, you give it a good wipe, and you can just put it right back in, and you know, no one will know you used a menstrual cup. Now, the reason why I'm saying this uh, and talking about this is because I actually found a new contraption on the internet that just um, has been recently released into the world. <laughs> so, you know, we like to talk about sex, relationships, safe sex and, you know, period sex as well. So, um, Intima, which is coincidentally the uh, menstrual cup that I already have, which is uh, created by them as well, released the new Ziggy cup, which is actually a period cup that you can use during sex. Now, you know how I told you about the, um, you know, how the normal average menstrual cup tends to look like a, um, what do you call funnel? It? A funnel, thank you. So, you know, it, it looks like funnel, it, it sort of um, goes down and it gets skinnier. You kind of don't want a penis poking onto the end. It, it hurts when you're having sex. So what happens is with this um, Ziggy cup, it's actually like a thicker rim on the top. And there's like a netting, a silicon netting, but it's really soft, very malleable. And you just stick it in there. There's no ending to it. It's a lot bigger than the, your average menstrual cup. And it's going to just stay in there while you have sex. And it's, they say, you know, um, you can use it for 12 hours, leave it in there for 12 hours. Personally, I wouldn't because you never know. <laughs> How long do you leave a regular menstrual cup in for? Um, it's Providing that your period doesn't isn't too heavy and it's not like incredibly intense, I reckon twelve hours. I tend to get very he- heavy periods when I'm not on the pills, so mm-hmm. I found that it it stayed in there for eight hours. You'd be very surprised how a uh, little blood that actually comes out when you're on your period. It's just a pad that makes it look a lot worse than it is. Yeah, and you know pads don't tend to keep it all in there. All the time it leaks with period cups. If you get the hang of it, to you know inserting it and all that sort of stuff, um, definitely it will work. I reckon if you again if you know how to use it properly. Now, if you want to see what it looks like, check out our Twitter feed on the uh, at Naughty Rude. Um, yeah, there are pictures. Uh, and if you want to know more about this uh, uh, menstrual cup for sex, go on to intima.com forward slash en forward slash ziggy underscore cup. That 
link would be on our Twitter, um, on our Twitter as well. So yeah, be sure to check it out. Now, if you have any questions about period cups as well, do let us know. If any questions about sex in general, we can definitely answer your questions. Yeah, it is the naughtyroodshow.tumblr.com forward slash ask. You can be anonymous as well, which is always fun. So send us your questions, comments or queries. Talking about the dance in your pants. We just had a song there that was entitled Two People. And the song that we just played was is by James Young. You're listening to Naughty Rude Show on Sin Nation with Christian Amaret and Felicity. Um... I think Amaret now knows that when I say two people, I mean that's the title of the song, not we're going to play two songs by two people. I feel like it was your pause slightly after that that made me be like, oh, oh, we have two songs coming Pause. Oh, like you said, buddies, they have pause, actually. Oh, were you talking about a different type of, sorry, (laughs) communication breakdown over here. Um, Anyway, we do have a few Tumble questions that we'd like to quickly answer. Um, So first one I can see is, what is the best way to get parental approval for a relationship? Yeah, more complicated than you might think, because like well. the smart ass answer is ask your parents <laughs> for parental. Open but your mouth, if, mm. sign language, but, but foot language. But mm. also mm. don't ask them because it's none of their business. Mm. Oh, when it comes to religion Thoughts? issues. Ooh. Cultural yeah. issues. Cultural as well. issues, yeah, you kinda do need to respect that. But mm. in general This is this is this is the white atheist over here saying, Don't <laughs> ask for permission and then the two cultural well, look, I'm people Cultural so, person number one, Felicity, what do you think? Oh, dear. Okay, so um, <laughs> because I raised in a very westernized Asian family, mm. I didn't actually ask for approval. I just said, hey, look, mum, dad, I'm in a relationship. If you can't get used to it, joke's on you. I actually am not in a relationship. <laughs> just joking. No, but I'm actually am. Um, no, I, I think I reckon... The best way to get parental approval for a relationship is to actually just be honest about it. That you know, you can only be a, it can only be a yes or a no, provided that your parents aren't tyrants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know, don't be too scared. Always be honest, and I think they will appreciate the honesty. That's just my simplistic way of explaining that. You know, just be honest. Mm. Yeah, what I agree. You? I think really. Yeah. Um, to be honest, it's very hard for me to picture my parents expecting me to ask them approval, mm-hmm. uh, ask for their approval. Um, I just don't think they, they see it that way as, like, if I'm in a relationship, it's, you know, like, do they approve, do they not? Like, that kind of X factor. Like, it's a no from me. It's a yes from me thing. I think it would seem a bit strange to them. Um, but as for my parents' as parents, um, very different story. So even though, like, neither one of my parents really... I, I guess they're a bit like Amaret and they, they thought it's, it's not really any of our business mm. that we're in a relationship um, but it's more they kind of like still went through the motions of you know like my dad asked um, my mum's dad for his daughter's hand in marriage like that very sort of 1940s yeah but it was mm. basically to keep the peace in my family really um, and we're talking you know obviously like nearly 30 years ago now okay. Um and yeah, obviously my grandfather threw up, uh, threw up, grew up, um, <laughs> threw twice. Up. <laughs> I'm sure he's done that maybe once, but yeah, <laughs> he grew up, you know, like twice that amount of time ago. Um, yeah. I don't know how relevant that is to to 
say though, I guess I, I haven't really experienced it my, myself with like my generation, my parents' generation, but the generation before that, mm. yes. Okay. Now, next question: Shower sex? Yes or no? Be careful. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say so, hell no. I feel like soap up afterwards because that. That should mm. be slippery. And also, mm. water's not exactly the best lubrication yeah. tool because water is very non. Even though it's slippery, P- you slip on it. Your it's lubricants just wisely. Not, you know, friction still happens with yeah. just water. Yeah. So, true. so that's just a short question there. Um, next question. I have a friend who started working at a bar this year and he has drinks with his work friends a lot. I've hung out with them sometimes as well. We're both 19 and I've known him since high school and now he drinks a lot more at friends' places and at home than he used to. Sometimes he gets blacked out or has way too much. I feel like I never see him sober anymore. How do I tell him I think he has a problem? Good question. I feel like I never see him sober anymore. Look, I, I honestly think, just off, off, the top, off the top of my head, I'm saying I feel like I never see you sober anymore. Like, we never spend time together when you're sober anymore might not be a bad way to start. Mm. What's already been offered there? Be open and mm. honest with your mm. communications. Mm. Maybe also look into, like, what's been happening with them lately. Maybe there might be some triggers there that you can draw some... Uh, thoughts from you know maybe it might be a work situation or a friend situation or maybe even looking at where your relationship's been for the last couple of months and how you feel that's been maybe there's something there that's been affecting him um and yeah talk just be open and honest and communicate as best you can if your relationship with this person is as close as you say it is or not say it is i reckon you have every right to have some sort of intervention conversation with his parents that includes yourself as well because you're the one who uh, initiated uh, the whole um, you know just talking about it Um, so yeah just talk about these sort of things having alcohol all the time is not the best Mm. I reckon it's just going to affect your you know your behavior and your mental state and yeah so also you could probably suggest to them as well that maybe if you don't feel like you're the best person for them to talk to they can talk to um to someone else so for example lifeline which is 13 11 14 or beyond blue which is one three hundred double two four six three six uh, there's just a couple of numbers. Now, I'm not a professional, but from, you know, uh, experiences in my life with my friends, people who tend to go off the rails with drinking all the time tend to be either suppressing an issue that they currently may have or they just want to have fun and it's their youth. So, um, yeah, just talk to them. Just start the conversation. You, you never know where it will lead you. That's it for today's show. This has been Amaret, Christian and Felicity on the Naughty Road Show here on Nash. Don't forget you can hit us up on the text line. It is 0438 662 Through the week, you can send questions to our Tumblr, which is thenaughtyroadshow.tumblr.com forward slash ask. And you can be anonymous, which is fabuloso. Thank you guys for listening, but don't forget that you can hear these amazing voices again (laughs) on our podcast, which you can get at sin.org.au. That's S-Y-N.org.au. It's on iTunes. It's on Spotify. 
if Pandora existed, it'd probably be there too, but it doesn't. But you can get us pretty much on every platform, to be fair. And hit us up on the socials too. We've got the Facebook and the tweets all over it. Well, this is it, it, guys. Um, We're going to end with a song. It's called Is This Love by Bob Marley and the Wailers. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Auf Wiedersehen. Auf Wiedersehen.